Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Hey, we're going to continue with our series, Are These the Last Days? Uh, I'm going to talk to you today about the end of the tribulation and the millennial reign. Look at your neighbor and say, are we in the last days? And yes, the answer is yes, we are. And as I mentioned at the outset, this is uh, dedicated to our late brother Ed Miller because he would be telling you the same thing today. He would be telling you in, in, in straightforward terms and he would probably start off by saying, hell is no joke. That was the one thing he would tell you if you ever heard him speak on this topic. So I, I'm wanting to cover this today and uh, I promise you next week we'll be finished with this series. I could go on and on and on, but the main thing is I want you to have an awareness that we are in the last days, that it's not a time to get lazy or indifferent. It's a time to be prepared. It's a time to be uh, speaking to others about, are you aware all the stuff that's going on in our planet, not just the United States, but in our planet, are ushering in the end days. You, you and I need to be aware of that. Amen? Amen? So again, the whole point of this series is that you and I would be aware. Be aware of the times we live in. We've talked about the times of the, of the rapture. We talk, talked about how we will be taken up in the, into glory. At the sound of the trumpet, the Bible says... Our bodies, we will, we will be lifted up and we will receive a glorified body at that time like Jesus. If you remember when Jesus rose, he came back in a glorified body. He was able to appear and walk through walls apparently. But yet the Bible says he still ate. He still drank. So I don't quite understand how all that's going to work. But I know it's going to work a lot better than the bodies we have right now. Can I get a big amen? Amen. And everybody over the age of 40 said amen to the amen on that. So the, the study of end times, as I mentioned, it, it, there's a biblical term called eschatology. Ology means the study of, and esca meaning future events. So we're, we're talking about future events that the Bible talks about. The rapture, the tribulation. We talked about the abomination of desolation the mark of the beast, the 144,000 witnesses, the two witnesses that many believe will be uh, resurrected Elijah and Enoch. Some have said even possibly Moses. I tend to believe it could be Elijah and Enoch as the two witnesses in the end. Witnessing to the world with power like never before. Amen? So... And towards that, the end of the tribulation is kind of where we left off last week, and I want to continue on that, but the end of the tribulation is where the battle of Armageddon takes place. When I was in Israel, and, and those that have gone or want to go, one day you may see the valley of Megiddo. That's where the battle of Armageddon will be held. And it's amazing to think that the Bible speaks of this, and this is what John, the Apostle John, saw in his in his vision, he saw this great battle taking place right there in the valley of Megiddo in Israel. And so to know that just gave me the heebie-jeebies, you know what I mean? The goosebumps. And it was just um, 
When you understand the Bible and it just comes alive in front of you, it's amazing. And can I tell you, it's going to happen? It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if and when, but it's going to happen. It will be the bloodiest battle ever fought among the nations of the earth, the Bible describes. Let me, let me share with you what a historian and philosopher by the name of Will Durst, or Will Durant, uh, said approximately 40 years ago. He said this statement. Uh, he noted that at that time, in the 3,124 years of recorded history, there had only been 268 of those years that had seen no war. What that means is that 92% of recorded history, there had been conflict, there had been war. And here we are in 2021, there's still wars. There's the, the Afghan war that we just came out of, but they're still warring there in that country, and other wars in the world going on. We don't have any peace, seemingly. The harder we try, we have peace resolutions, peace con or peace um, agreements made, but they only last for a very brief time. And there's constant conflict. That is because the enemy of our souls is wanting to stir things up. He's looking to end his, this world because he knows his end is coming. Amen? The world has been longing for peace since the beginning of time. How many remember the Garden of Eden? I love to think and just reflect on that. How peaceful, how beautiful the Garden of Eden must have been. Anna and I have, have, been, have had the privilege to go up to Mendocino County, and maybe you've been there to see the botanical gardens. Or maybe you've, uh, we've also been to a place up in Oregon, in Woodburn, Woodburn, Oregon, where it was a field of tulips everywhere, for acres and acres of beautiful different colored tulips. And I just think, while that's beautiful, how much more beautiful was the Garden of Eden? Perfection. How much beautiful was a utopia for Adam and Eve? And when I think of that, I think of what we're going to see one day, amen? I think of the peace they had for a, for a period of time. They had peace there until they disobeyed the Lord. And the world still in 2021 is searching for that peace. Amen? We don't have that. How many know that peace is only found through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Amen. That's when you truly will receive peace. So here we are. The tribulation is taking place. The tribulation, again, was a period of seven years. The first three and a half years were peaceful. And the last three and a half years, literally all hell breaks loose when the Antichrist comes to power. But it's during this time, see, we've already been raptured up. The church of Jesus Christ, which is the bride of Christ, has been raptured up into heaven. And we are celebrating what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many have heard that term before, the marriage supper of the Lamb? It's a time of feasting with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, He is, he is the groom. We are the bride. The church is His first love. The church is His love. And he, he can't wait to take us home to be with him. And we will be celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be seated and, and, and receiving not only crowns of righteousness, but also then celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb with all the other saints that have risen with us. Amen. And all the Old Testament saints that have risen up at the time of the rapture. It's only by invite, though, the marriage supper of the Lamb, 
It's only by invite. You can't sneak in there. You can't get in there. How many have ever tried to get into a party where you're not invited, right? There, there's these people called bouncers out there. Well, the Lord's going to have those, and they're called angelic hosts. And they're going to be up there with swords like this, just like in the Garden of Eden. You can't enter unless you are invited. Amen? And that is our privilege. We will, as believers, be up there with the Lord. It's going to be quite a scene. All the believers up there in heaven with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So this is going to take us, after the tribulation is over, to the millennial reign. Millennium means a thousand years. Millennial reign meaning a reign of a thousand years here on this earth. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, to Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 9. And again, this is what the disciple, the beloved disciple John wrote. Remember, he was the one that was at the cross, the only one of the disciples that was at the cross when Jesus was crucified. He lived, he was the only one of the disciples that was not martyred, that was not killed. The only one. And so here, when he had been cast out to this island of Patmos, the Bible says, he had received these revelations or these visions and he penned them. He put them down, describing these wars. And you have to remember, he's using language from his time to describe futuristic events. And so when you read Revelation, you got to remember it's symbolic language but he's using terms from his time. He didn't know what a tank was or a helicopter or a nuclear bomb. He had no concept of those things, but he described them in ways that he knew, his language, amen? So um, let's start in Revelation chapter 19, verse six through nine. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Verse 9, then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Now I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, are you invited? Are you invited? Amen. If, let me tell you this today. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have been formally invited. Amen. This millennial reign begins at the end of the tribulation. There's a thousand year period. Now I want you to um, turn with me in your Bible to Revelation chapter 20. I want to read additional scriptures here regarding what is going on with Satan at that time and what Jesus is doing at that time to him. So Revelation 20 verses 1 through 8. And again, I'm reading out of the NIV version. Verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil, or Satan, 
and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. And we're going to get into that. Verse 4. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for about a thousand years. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released. Everybody say, oh no. Oh, no. And we're going to get into that. From his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog and to gather them for battle. In number they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people. The city he loves, which is Jerusalem. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Everybody say forever and ever. There is an end to Satan and it will be forever and ever and he knows it. And that's why there's so much going on in our world today. That's why there's so much discord, so much... Uh, so much civil disobedience, uh, crimes left and right, seemingly nobody's taking any accountability. That's the world we live in, unfortunately. Jesus, though, binds up the enemy for a thousand years. So the question is, why is he, why does he just bind them and why does he just destroy them, right? That's what you and I would probably do. Just get rid of them there at that point. But here's what's happening. The, the Armageddon has taken place. The Bible describes as two-thirds of mankind being wiped out from the earth at that time. And this now becomes a clean slate. This world now, the Bible describes it kind of like, I, I believe it's going to be like the Garden of Eden again at that time. Is it? It's not heaven yet. It's not heaven. But the Bible says... There's places where the, it says that the lion will lay with the lamb. That a child will be considered old if, if they, or young if they pass away at 100. You know, they'll still be considered a child. In other words, those people that are still living, because we'll be there. We'll be there. The Bible says that the saints of God, you and I that are believers, will be put and rule cities. You'll be given the city of Rio Vista to look over, Irene. And, and others will be given American Canyon. And others, the city of Vallejo. Wherever the Lord appoints you, it says that we will be rulers and judges over cities. The Bible says that. 
Great responsibility will come upon each of us as saints. That's amazing to me that God is going to put us in charge of places like that. That is coming. But here, here's what the Lord's doing is he's wanting to show not you and I as believers, but those that were left behind, the, the ones that, that made it through that millennial reign, which will be few, they're going to begin to repopulate the earth. They're going to be the ones that will still have their fleshly nature. Unlike you and I, we will have glorified bodies. We will be unable to sin. Amen? Because when you have your glorified body, you can no longer sin like your flesh used to sin in the past. That cheesecake won't be so appealing anymore. Lord, we need to talk. But there will still be people inhabiting the earth. Again, this isn't the final heaven that it is eventually going to come. So I believe what the Lord is doing is he's allowing these thousand years to occur to allow mankind to, once again, like the Garden of Eden, to populate and see what, what, what happens. He, but he knows what's going to happen. He always has a plan. Say, God has a plan. Amen. Now, who are these people that inhabit the earth? These people are the ones that manage to survive the tribulation by not accepting the mark of the beast. But here's the problem with that. Another passage descri describes that believers that don't accept the mark of the beast, it says on your right hand or your forehead, they will be beheaded. We see that going on in our world today in certain parts of our world. There are certain parts that come against believers, against Christians, and they're beheaded for their faith. How many know that that's a real thing that's going on right now? That's going to continue here. The Bible was written well thousands of years ago, and here it's describing people being beheaded. This is an actual fact that's going to occur during the tribulation, but these believers are going to be here in, in the tribulation with us, amen, because they didn't receive the mark of the beast. Again, Jesus has come to set up his millennial reign, and Jesus will reign from the city of Jerusalem. God's city is always known as Jerusalem in, in Israel. How many, how, how long is the millennial reign? The Bible in those scriptures I read to you describes, describes it six times and mentions a thousand years, 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 a thousand years. Six different times it mentions it. So how long is the tribulation? A thousand years. I didn't hear you. Uh, excuse me, the millennium. One thousand years. One thousand years. Thank you. Thank you. That is how long the millennial reign is, a thousand years. Another area in Matthew describes the millennial reign as an, an area or era called the regeneration. In other words, in the original Greek, it means the new genesis. Again, it's not heaven, but it's a new population of the earth. It's a new uh, description of the earth. And here's a timeline of the end times of what I'm talking about. We were raptured right here in the middle. All the believers went up. The tribulation then takes place for seven years. And then at the end of that seven years is when Jesus comes back to defeat the enemy and shut him up, bind him. And then we have this thousand year reign. And then at the end, he destroys Satan forever and ever. 
But I'm talking about the millennial reign at this time. Again, imagine a world that is recreated to be in the form of the Garden of Eden. That's what this place will look like. And each of us in resurrected, glorified bodies. No aches, no pains. I'm not, maybe we'll still have to stretch, but it won't be without any pain. Hallelujah. No more surgeries, amen? amen? Amen. But here's the beautiful thing about those thousand years. There's finally going to be peace on earth. There will be peace. What the world is looking for every day. What, there's that famous... I forget which, which crime or what, what happened, the famous uh, sentence that w was uttered, can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? Right? That's the crying, crying, that's the call for everybody, right? Can't we all just get along? Black, white, brown, whatever color you are, we just want to get along, amen? That was the Lord's desire. It's never changed. Unfortunately, there's a prince of this world the God of this world, and it's not Jesus, it's Satan. The Bible describes him as Satan. He's going around and about, and his demons are going around and about, stirring up turmoil in your families, in your job places, to try to destroy you. And here in the millennial reign, in the thousand years that we're going to be in, there's no more of that. It's gone. It's, it's locked up, put away. The devil and his demons are locked up. So... For a thousand years, there will be no wars during this time, initially. As believers, again, the Bible says we will help rule the cities of the world at that time. We will be in resurrected, glorified bodies with a renewed and perfected mind. And we'll be devoted to God. During the millennial reign, it's not like Jesus will come up to you and say, Hey, you blew it managing American Canyon. What's going on? It's not going to be like that. Not at all. You and I have already been judged. We have been judged already. But in those thousand years, here's, the, here's what we know that's going to happen that the Bible describes. The inhabitants of the earth, those that are still living, that are, that are slowly repopulating the earth, well, they still have their fleshly nature. And here's the problem with our fleshly nature. We may be surrounded by good, but at some point that old flesh comes out. That old pride comes out. That old macho spirit, that warring spirit, the conflicting spirit, the drunk spirit, you name it, it comes out. And it begins to rub against other people and conflict again begins to happen. And what the Lord, I believe, is trying to show us is that we cannot live, even without Satan bothering us, we cannot do it ourselves. How, have you figured that out yet? You alone cannot do it by yourself. You, you alone cannot live a godly life without the Spirit of God. You might think you're good. I may say, well, I'm a pastor and uh, I, I teach Bible studies during the week and I pray during the week and I, and I preach a sermon. Isn't that good enough, Lord? He's saying, no, it stinks. Because that's not good. My works aren't good enough for him. I have to depend on his spirit for, to manage my life every single day. And so I believe that the Lord is showing us that our fleshly nature has to be destroyed. 
Our fleshly nature has to bow down to the Lord God. Amen? Because once again, mankind shows that they're not able to live in peace. So towards that end of that thousand years, you start to see all this conflict within the inhabitants of earth. But here's the million dollar question I really want to ask you today. Why with all this perfection on earth, does God allow Satan to be loosed again? He had him bound. Why would he loosen him? Why would he let him go? Because what's Satan going to do? He's been bound for a thousand years. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to go straight and attack and destroy more than ever. You think it's bad now, it's going to be even worse at that time. I believe, number one, the reason why is to demonstrate that ultimately, even after a thousand years of incarceration, the devil's nature never changes. Once a devil, always a devil, right? Sometimes we've said that about people, but be careful, be careful. But in this case, he is always and will forever be Satan and the devil. And he will always be the destroyer, the deceiver out to get you and I. Amen? And that's what you and I have to be aware of. When I, say, when I said at the outset four weeks ago, be aware, be aware. Are you aware? Are you aware of the enemy that's trying to attack you through relationships? Maybe you struggled this week in your marriage relationship. It wasn't just you and, and, your, and your spouse. There, there possibly could be a spirit behind that encouraging that. Did you know that? We have to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And we have to come together and say, Lord, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I bind that in the name of Jesus. You cannot come against me. You cannot come against my marriage, against my family, against my, my siblings, my, my sons or daughters. Amen? We know that the enemy is wanting to attack us. So we have to be careful with this. We have to be aware that he is still in charge. Number two, I believe that in answer to the million dollar question, why would Satan be loosed again? Number two, it demonstrates that even with a utopia, even like a heaven, a place like Genesis, even with perfection, the nature of mortal man never changes. That our nature doesn't change. You know, oftentimes we, we, we can say, well, if my situation was a little bit different, if I wasn't born on the wrong side of the tracks, or if I had been born to that family, or if I lived over here, or if I lived over there, my situation would be better. Can I just remind you? No. We all have a fleshly nature, whether it's on the wrong side of the tracks or whether you were born in Beverly Hills or Silverado Country Club here locally. It doesn't matter. You and I have a fleshly nature that sins. And, and we have to recognize that. We have to be aware of that. I believe that the Lord is showing us in that time period that fleshly nature has got to go. Say that with me. That fleshly nature has got to go. Amen. We're not going to have peace at the end of this millennial reign. In fact, the, the Lord goes on, as we read in those scriptures earlier, He lets Satan go. He loose 
loosens him upon the earth, looses him upon the earth, and there will be war made again, and which leads to the destruction of Satan. That's what I'm going to touch on next week. But here at the end of this millennial reign, people who have this sin nature, they still have the ability to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That never goes away, even during the millennial reign. People are still accepting the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. But some will rebel. Why? Because of their fleshly nature. Can I, can I remind you of this scripture that the prophet Jeremiah mentioned in the Old Testament? It's also mentioned in the New Testament. But Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Say, I want you to read that scripture with me because it's important that we hear these words in our, in our mind. Go ahead, read that with me. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Huh. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I was going to say something. Um, I remember one time I walked into a co-worker's office and then we were having this philosophical discussion and then he looked at me and said, well, don't you believe that mankind is good? You know, that deep down mankind is good? And I looked at him and I said, no. Uh, I, I believe quite on the contrary. We may think we're good. We may act like we're good. But I, th I said, deep down, there's evil lurking in the heart of mankind. And once it's exposed, you can see it. And, and I was referring to this scripture. This was a person that doesn't, he doesn't um, believe spiritual things, but so I didn't bother to even go there. But I was referring to the scripture, the heart is deceitful and wicked. The Bible says in the King James, and beyond cure, who can understand it? Don't ever rely on your heart or think that my heart is pure good, that I'm, it's all about the goodness I have. Let me tell you, the Bible says your goodness, your righteousness stinks before heaven. His goodness imputed into us, or when we receive that, transforms us, then it becomes pleasing unto Him. But our goodness alone, I don't care how many good acts you do, how many senior citizens you help cross the crosswalk, it, it won't get you to heaven. And, and that stuff is good, and you should be doing those things. But you and I need to realize the heart is deceitful above all things. Question for you today, are you aware of the spiritual battle that is taking place around us again? Can I remind you of that? Are you aware of it? Do you see the things going on in our world and are aware that there is a spiritual battle taking place in this world today? These are the last days. And as I get ready to close today, I just want to remind you, don't take these days for granted. Don't think that church is going to be here next week. We'll be able to do this again. I'll Zoom on Thursday. I'll, I'll get together on Sunday afternoon. Uh, my job's going to be there tomorrow. COVID-19 gave us a little glimpse. That was only something small, really. It was really something small. When you're talking about things like the tribulation, where the world gets turned upside down, I want you to understand this is real. It's going to happen. Is your heart prepared? Is your, 
Is your mind prepared? Are you, are you reaching out to your loved ones and sharing that with them and telling them, God is coming back. Are you ready? Are you ready? That is the message that you and I need to be sharing with others at this time. Amen? Let us be aware of the times we live in. Every one of us. The enemy knows his end is coming and he wants to destroy each and every one of us. But everybody say this, but God, but God. he knows this and lovingly, lovingly extends his mercy and grace upon us. Where would we be without that mercy and that grace and that love towards us? He loves us today. He loves you and I today. Amen. Stand with me as we close. God loves you. His grace and His mercy is extended toward you at this time. And the other thing that I want you to continue to do, and I bring this up every weekend, hopefully, pray for wisdom. People, church, saints of God, pray for wisdom. You and I are entering days that are becoming more and more difficult. How to manage, even in our workplace. And you and I need to pray for wisdom, how to manage these days. The Lord will grant you that wisdom when you ask Him. Let's bow our heads today. Father, Lord, we ask you right now, Lord, for wisdom. As we enter these last days and again Lord we don't know when you're coming back we just know that you are coming back and I pray Father that not only each person in here would be ready but their families their children, their spouses their siblings their in-laws their outlaws, Father everyone that they would be ready for your coming because, Lord, there's, there's no second chance. And although the tribulation, there will be survivors that go through there. It will be so, so difficult, extremely difficult. People being beheaded for their faith. Lord, help us to do it right here at this time. And, Lord, as we look to you, Father, for that wisdom, we also pray your protection over us over our families, over our homes, over our jobs. Lord, everything we put our hand to. And we thank you. Thank you for this time. Lord, teach us to be aware, to be aware of our surroundings here spiritually each and every day. To count and number our days, as the Bible says. To not waste them, Lord, but to be fruitful to be effective in these last days. Father, stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, stir our hearts that we might know you in a greater way, that we might desire to know you, Lord. Stir our hearts, Father, for more of you each and every day. Help us not to be satisfied with a cup of your Holy Spirit, but Lord, we want to take a shower in the Holy Spirit. We want your blessings to just be poured out upon us. Your Spirit to be poured out upon us, Lord, every day. So God, we thank you, we love you, and we praise you at this time.
Church, as you raise your hands and receive this blessing as we close today, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' wonderful name. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Amen. And be aware. Be aware of your surroundings and be aware of these last days. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.